Hello everyone, you are listening to the Open to Happiness podcast. I am your host Nicoletta and I will be joined by Zach Rutledge today, a personal trainer and nutrition specialist from New Jersey, USA. We will be talking about the relationship between fitness and happiness today and I'm really looking forward to explore this topic. Hello Zach and welcome to the podcast. Nicoletta, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on this show. Wonderful. So how is uh, this morning in uh, New Jersey? Yeah, it's still morning here. It's it's a little after 10 a.m. here and it's it's a beautiful day. And I, I actually just finished teaching a, a cardio class, so I'm a little out of breath. So excuse me if you hear me huffing and puffing. <laughs> no worries about that. No worries. We'll uh, take it slowly so we give you the chance to... <laughs> to keep up with uh, with your breath and how is life in new jersey these days whilst we're still on the topic and your geographical area yeah yeah so uh, you know at the time of this recording we're about almost a year and a half into the whole pandemic and um Things in New Jersey right now are okay because I think we got clobbered pretty hard in the beginning. We got hit um, hard because we're a very densely populated state. We're actually the most densely populated in the country. So COVID spread very quickly. And I actually know about eight people who passed from it. So it, it hit us really hard at the beginning, but we're doing better now because we realized how important the vaccines are. So most of us are vaccinated. A lot of the people in the other parts of the country who maybe weren't hit as hard haven't been getting vaccinated for whatever reason. And um, it's starting to hit them pretty hard now. So, I mean, that's not good, but at least right now here in New Jersey, we're doing okay. That's great to hear. And I'm hoping that it's been a year and a half um, manageable for you and your family and your dear ones. Um, Yeah. So Zach, Coming back to our topic, uh, let's start by finding out a little bit about you. Maybe tell us who you are and how was your journey in life so far? Sure. Well, I I grew up with a very quote-unquote normal childhood, meaning there were no major traumas that happened. My, My parents worked together and we never even moved, so it was very stable. And looking back now that I have the insight, I realized there were some chemical things going on. So for example, when I was a teenager and I was dating, uh, breakups were harder than most people would take them. And certain things I would take a little harder, but I just assumed I was just like a moody rock and roll guy, or I was a moody musician, or I was a a moody teenager. And I, I didn't really have the insight at the time to realize that something else was going on. So it wasn't until I was 18, and I call it the perfect storm, where uh, things really came crashing down. So it was the summer after high school and my best friend was killed. Um, All of my friends were leaving for college. My karate school was closing down. Now I I should know I have a black belt in karate and I was doing it since I was 10 years old. And when I was 18, the same week that my best friend was killed, all of a sudden my karate school was closing down. So I lost that that, um, social networking there. And then um, there tends to be this pattern where in late teens, early 20s, for a lot of people at least, uh, quirks, let's say, tend to manifest. So things like depression, anxiety, OCD, they tend to peak or pop up, I should say, around that age. So that all hit me 
uh, all at the same time, all within the same couple of months. Um, after right after high school, so that was my very deepest depression. It was it was a, a very deep and dark battle, and really, the next ten years, I rebuilt myself brick by brick, exploring all the different ways and how to get out of it. And then, um, since then, it's been kind of my mission now, especially to uh, you know spread the word and help people who are who are stuck in those tough times. So. You've done a little bit of movement since you were very young. You you said you started karate at ten. <laughs> yeah. You are back belt karate uh, uh, now. That's yeah. uh, that's impressive, isn't it? Um, and then you're moving. You're out uh, in the in the fresh air. You're obviously socializing. You're going out to school. You're going out to your classes, and yet something is happening, and you feel somehow depressed and and it's been quite quite a difficult time for you how did you manage to overcome that so first thing i did I, to be honest i didn't have the energy to think about overcoming it I, it's depression is a funny thing and it's different for everybody and it even goes through different phases within people but for for me at that time when it really clobbered me it truly felt hopeless i felt like there was nothing i could do i thought i was stuck that way forever and i didn't have a very um like a very long timeline in my mind thinking about the future i was just stuck in that moment really feeling like i was getting sucked down so it wasn't until a few months later when i i you know almost a year later and i could recognize the difference between grief and depression. So somebody had said to me once, grief is the price we pay for love, which I thought was great. So I, I had gone through my grief for my friend and it took, it took a, you know, almost a year and I, was, and I was crying quite a bit about that. But this sounds weird, but when you have depression, it feels different from grief. And when I would cry, it felt cleaner. It felt it was a cleaner feeling. So I was crying for him. And I went through that grief, but then I still felt this very dark, um, nasty feeling internally. And, I, and I, it's hard to put into words again, um, but a lot of people feel it. And um, I knew at that point when I was kind of done with that grieving process, which by the way, we all have to grieve. There's no getting around that. Everyone has to grieve, um, but we don't have to go through depression. So when I realized I was in that depression, I, I figured, um, you know, I, I need to start doing something to get to get out of this. So I, I, I didn't have the attention span to go back to college. I, I dropped out of college and I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna start watching TV because I can focus on something for a half hour. My focus was completely gone. So I, um, I did the worst thing possible. I started watching the news because <laughs> I figured, well, smart people watch the news and formed people watch the news. So I started watching the news and I quickly realized that I don't need to know about every murder in the tri-state area. So that actually just made me in a worse mood, put me in a worse mood. Yeah. So it, it wasn't until the following year I was playing in bands and I've, I've played in bands since I was 13 years old. And I was playing in a band with guys who were really into fitness. They're really into working out and working out was just something I did like that was secondary to my karate or my skateboarding, things like that. You know, as a teenager, it was just, it, I wasn't something I did for the sake of working out, but these guys were really into lifting weights. 
So I was about 20 at this point. And um, to put things into perspective, right now I'm five foot nine and 170 pounds. And I don't know what that, how that converts to, to kilos or centimeters, um, but maybe you can convert this or even just the way I say it, maybe this will be apparent. So I'm five, nine, 170 pounds. But back then I was five, nine and 124 pounds. So I was almost 50 pounds lighter, which is approximately 25 kilos lighter. Um, so I was skin and bones and I was getting sick all the time. So, uh, and if I'd gotten seriously sick, there was nowhere for me to go. It, it, it was getting dangerous. And that was all just a result of my depression. And, and, and I didn't really see it at the time uh, because there's so much, especially in the US about, you know, slimming down and not being obese like a lot of Americans are. But I wasn't, I wasn't obese and I thought thinner was better. <laughs> so yeah. that, wasn't the, that wasn't the right attitude. So I was very, very thin. And when I got into lifting weights, I could see myself gaining this muscle and gaining this healthy weight. And that was the very first little block, I call it, um, you know, building my way out of this. It was the first brick where I could see myself making the change. I was having fun and I was researching things about the body and I was loving it. So that was the very first thing that, that started to kind of shake me out of my deep depression. Mm. So was there any room for happiness um, in your youth years? You're talking about losing a dear friend when you were very young, having your first encounter with depression, and then discovering that um, obviously th there are some health issues on a physical level for you, and you're choosing to maybe train and do something about it. Um, there seems to be a lot of focus on, on the physical side and, and the mental side as well. Uh, what about your soul? What about your spirit? Was there any any happy feeling uh, surrounding your life? Uh, did you have have you struggled with your emotional life? That's a that's a great question, and nobody's asked me that before. Um, there was no room for happiness, and there was no room for spirit. My a lot of my spirituality or that side of it came from my karate, where I was turned on to things like Zen Buddhism and like really more just meditation, things like that. I was a teenager and it was all new to me, but it was still really interesting and provided a lot of growth for someone that age. It was appropriate for someone that age. Um, but there, there, it was very hard to find the happy moments for me. I, I have a very vivid memory of playing um, this one concert venue called CBGB's. And it, it's, um, you may not know it, but it's in New York City. And it's kind of like the... Um, where punk rock began in the United States. So it's, it was a really important venue for me to play there. It was a life goal actually. And we played the venue and we were playing a big concert with some very big bands. And I remember going to our van afterwards and just being miserable. And I just completed one of my life goals and I was absolutely miserable. It was very hard for me to, to find any kind of happiness aside from, I should say, when I was actually on stage playing. Um, in a way, it felt like a sense of escape, but it was also finding that like flow state or that intense concentration, because I was busy playing an instrument. And also I had all these lights on me and all these people staring at me and cheering. So it was almost like this alternate reality. Um, but aside from the actual performance times, which only were about 45 minutes, it was a very, very tough time to find any kind of happiness in my life. Yeah. Mm. So how do you explain that? Have you had the chance to maybe reflect on it and come up with some insight? 
Yeah, you know, I was doing a lot of things wrong. So, you know, I had started at that, at that point to get the physical aspect in, which of course I love. Like you said, I'm a personal trainer and I, I do feel like that's important. But I was doing a lot of things wrong. Like I was, like they say, I was, I was feeding the fear wolf. So I'll, I'll elaborate on that. Here in the US, there's this story. It's about um, two Cherokee Indians, okay? Cherokee, in case anyone doesn't know, that's a tribe of Native yeah. Americans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, the story goes there's a, I'll paraphrase it, but it's a grandfather and a grandson. And the grandfather is telling the grandson about how there's two wolves that live inside all of us the, the fear wolf and the courage wolf. And the courage wolf is love dedication courage of course um and all of our positive feelings really um and then there's the fear wolf which is sadness fear anger anxiety everything negative that we don't really want inside of us so then the grandson says well which one wins if they're always at battle inside all of us which one wins and the grandfather says the one you feed so and that and that's the end of the story so I was an expert at feeding the fear wolf. <laughs> I was yeah. always looking at the, the downside of things. So if we played a concert venue and we were playing in front of 300 people, I would get upset because we didn't sell it out and there weren't 500 people there. Um, if, if, you know, if whatever good things happened to me, I, would always look at, I was always focusing on the minor bad things that happened. And... And when bad things happened, I never saw the silver lining because life tends to be in shades of gray. Even if something bad happens, there tends to be a shade of gray, right? Or I'm sorry, there tends to be a silver lining where something, you know, small but good comes out of it. But I never saw any of that good. Um, so I was an expert at feeding that fear wolf. Um, also, I was just very hesitant to start any kind of therapy. Uh, which is funny because I'm actually about to start grad school to become a therapist. But, you know, I tried therapy once and I didn't like it very much. I was 19 and I had one meeting. And for anyone who hasn't had more than one therapy appointment, um, you know, it makes a big difference. You, you have to actually work on finding this relationship. It's not a natural thing. You have to you have to find the right person. So just because I went to one person, and I didn't like it doesn't mean therapy is not for me. It just meant that one person wasn't for me. Yeah. So it wasn't till years later when I finally found my fourth therapist, <laughs> the fourth one, it takes work. That was when I started to really, again, it was another brick along with my physical body and dialing in my nutrition, things like that. Um, finding that fourth therapist and finally getting a, a real relationship going there, that was another big, another big block for me. And really, that, that's the story I tell people is that there's no silver bullet. There's not one thing that I feel that people can do that's going to fix everything. It's really a series of things. It's a bunch of things that we do. And I implore people to uh, try all of them and try combining all of them. Because even if you do one thing and it only makes you feel 10% better, well, great, if we do five more things and they all make you feel another 10% better, well, now we're really getting somewhere. Absolutely. I love the way you're thinking. So <laughs> out of your depression, out of your struggle, uh, here we are with some wisdom, able to maybe compile everything in a beautiful story and inspire others around us um, so four seems to be your lucky number. I, I've met people that have been through 10 therapists, 
and wow. they were searching, and that's absolutely fine. I, yeah. I, I mean, as a practitioner myself, I would never say stop at me or stop at number one. It is important to uh, carry on uh, searching for that relationship, as you say it. Um, and that's because we change anyway. We are changing every single second and we are not open to everyone and anything, everything, um, you know, every moment of our lives. So yeah, mm. keeping our options open is great. So we're yes. looking at a very interesting uh, life uh, story. You haven't been open to happiness when you were young. You struggled a little bit, although you were active. You didn't have any major trauma, as you discussed, as you mentioned in your family. Um, and then, uh, obviously, you keep uh, you keep uh, fighting with life. You're trying your best, um, and eventually, you manage to start your personal development process in a formal sort of space with a therapist, uh, and that. Obviously, it's changing the way you're, you're processing your life events and the way you're looking at your own experience of life. And yeah. uh, where are you now? What's going on in your life right now? You mentioned that you are about to start the therapy uh, training yourself. I am. I am because I feel like it's important to share a lot of these lessons that I've learned because I'm one of the people who's actually lived it. And I know the things that helped me. And I, again, I feel like it's important that I get the word out there. I, I feel like I need to make it count for something. What I went through, I need to make it count and I need to use it to help other people. Um, and I should note that, you know, I while I did start working out and I didn't seeing a therapist, by no means was that the end of my journey as far as um, my, my struggles with depression. You know, there were a lot of other aspects that, that go along, that went along. Um, one of them being medication. Um, and that was actually the very last thing I did. And I could have gone the rest of my life without medication and I would have been okay. But um, around 8 p.m. for some reason, it felt like the chemicals shifted in my brain. And that's when all of my thoughts automatically went dark. I would automatically go back to that old way of thinking of focusing on the negative. Uh, and it wasn't until my primary care doctor, believe it or not, she was the one who who really pushed me to try the medication and i had been very resistant um and so in case you don't know this i'm actually i i've been doing yoga for a very long time and of course i came from martial arts um and there's a very almost like a, a pretty hard split at least here in the u.s between alternative you know quote unquote alternative medicines or like ancient medicines and ancient um practices and then like modern medicine right so there's it's almost like an east versus west right so but it took me a while to realize while the east has these fantastic gifts of yoga and martial arts and meditation well the west has these fantastic gifts of psychology and medication and there's no reason we have to keep them separated we can, these can work together and and once i started Men, like melding the two, that was when I started to make some real, real progress. When I when I took the best of both of those worlds. Mm. So, what would you say was the problem? Um, what stopped you when you were younger to embrace happiness, to permit yourself to just open up in front of all the joy that life has to offer to any any of us? 
I don't think it was one specific thing. I do believe there was a chemical aspect to it because like I said, the medication makes a big difference in my mind. And I, I feel like that's like, just like a chemical thing I have in my mind. And, and there, there, it, there has been a history of depression running in my extended family. Mm -hmm. um, part of it is the way I'm wired is I'm, I'm very hard on myself where if I'm not, you know, the, the not necessarily the best at something, but if I'm not a high performer, I would really beat myself up about it. So Where I would. Where is that coming? Would you say? Where is this coming from? It could be coming from um, my relationship with my father, to be honest, mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, was great, but but um, you know, it was very. You had to earn. Um, any kind of accolades. It wasn't for the effort. So I could put in a, a great effort and that didn't really count. The, the, so if I, if I tried really hard, that wouldn't really count for anything. It would, it would be the goal, it would be the results that you would get the accolades. So um, that could have been part of it. It wasn't extreme, but it was there. I recognized it, yes. but, it, but, yes. but it, wasn't, it wasn't extreme. But it um, was essential for your development and it was part of your conditioning it was it was it's, yeah but it's it, for all of us isn't it yeah 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 it's and and if I, we keep talking over each other i'm sorry oh no i'm hey that's what happens when, when there's an ocean between us right <laughs> <laughs> hey it's pretty amazing when you think about it so i'm not going to complain um so yeah yeah that that was part of it it's part of our conditioning and as long as it's already wired our brains and we function from that kind of, we operate from that kind of world, uh, it's expected that we're going to be hard on ourselves, that we're going to want to be high performers, that um, obviously we will draw our sense of self-worth out of our achievements, um, achievements that we have on an academic, maybe uh, social level, um, and that's kind of become, becomes the, the theme of our lives in a way. And most of the people I, I meet struggle with this in a way or another. So yeah. um, thank God that obviously it worked out really well for you. You've managed to uh, remain open and committed to your own personal development. And uh, I would like to find out if that helped you to really open up to happiness, better relationships. Maybe it brought some abundance in your life and a sense of fulfillment. Well, you know, going back just a bit, I agree with you and I, a very great book for anybody to read. It's called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I actually stumbled across her uh, theory well before she wrote about it. But she, she, she stated everything really well. And it's essentially, we're, we're embracing the process and the uh, internal growth as opposed to the results. So that was another big step for me because it wasn't, you know, I when, I was, when I had the arrow pointing outward, so to speak, and I was worried about the goals. So like I graduated college and, I, and then I still didn't feel great. So then I tried to graduate with honors, you know, or, you know, when I, and I was like, eh, I feel okay. Well, maybe if I become a personal trainer, then I'll feel great. You know, I was chasing titles. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then I was then I was chasing a master's degree, and then I didn't feel great after I had my first master's degree. So it wasn't until I turned that arrow the other way around, until I was pointed inward, and I was like, oh, maybe something's here. And when I really enjoyed the process of doing things and the process of working on something, the result kind of didn't matter anymore. And that was another big wake-up call for me too. Was just just letting myself be in it and give myself the credit just for the effort and for for challenging myself and i don't have to be the best at everything yeah and that's fantastic when we reconnect with our real selves and we just live for ourselves yeah uh, to start with and then uh, obviously take care of all of the others afterwards and where yeah. are you now where are you now zach are you happy oh are you yeah, happy you, you asked me that and i forgot to answer it <laughs> No so I can yes. ask you again. <laughs> and you have yeah, I'm much better now. And um, I, I, I teach a lot of, you know, fitness classes and I'm, and I'm having a great time doing that. And when I do that, I, I make sure to tell people, you know, we're enjoying, we're enjoying the journey. We're enjoying that class we're doing. We're not worried about any specific results. And um, it kind of like, you know, going to, it, on my journey now that's starting to become a therapist it's really working with others where i find my joy now um on the other side of that i still like I, i'm still an artist that's where i push myself so i still love making music and I'm, I'm shooting a movie soon and i still love that and that's for pushing myself but again i'm not so concerned about if a million people like my record or or if a million people like my movie i'm doing it for me and that's that feels so much better. Just like what you said, I, I'm working um, for myself really in a way. And, and um, I'm very comfortable doing that now. There's there's, I, there's not a bone in my body that feels like I need to impress anybody at this point. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I think this is what we all aim to, to reach as a stage in our lives. Mm. That's where we should all go. That's about going back home, going back to, to ourselves. Mm. where we feel sufficient enough and we don't have to do anything that is not aligned with how we feel inside and who we are in our real self. Yeah. That's great. So if we are to now summarize your greatest lessons that you've learned through your existence, would you be able may maybe to share with us and our listeners what are your greatest lessons? What have you learned? What have you learned through all of these life experiences? Oh, wow. That's a huge question. Okay, so... No, take your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll think of something better later on when I'm in the shower or something. No, but I, do it again. <laughs> I, I, I really like what, what Socrates says, where all I know is I don't know anything. So what that means to me is I, I, I my mind... I make sure that it doesn't, um, I stay very fluid. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm always open to new thoughts and new ideas. I don't want to be somebody who's dogmatic or, or, uh, digs deeper into their beliefs. I want to always keep that open mind and that open heart. Uh, and you know, I don't feel like I know enough right now to be teaching major life lessons what i've what i've learned things like that i mean i can teach as far as depression i i definitely feel that and i can i can teach as far as um you know karate and, and yoga i can teach those things but uh, major life things i'm still i'm still 
uh, trying to stay very open because I feel that uh, there's still way too much for me to learn <laughs> as far as I, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can definitively say what my biggest, what my biggest answer is because I'm still in that receiving mode. It feels like, you know, well, so I don't know if I have that, that biggest lesson yet. I don't, I don't know if I've been taught it yet. Mm. No, I, I completely understand you. I suppose in a way or another, we are students until the end of our lives. We are. Oh, I love today. that. And um, I think there's been loads of learnings uh, that you've already described through the changes and the transformation that you permitted yourself to go through. Um, and I would imagine that if you feel this, uh, you know, strong interest into therapy as a profession, then obviously you have a luggage with tools, maybe ways of doing things or changing habits, changing the lifestyle that would be very helpful for for others. Tell us a little bit about the book you wrote uh, out of your experience, and that will um, probably help the listeners to find out a bit more about your learnings from, from your life experience. Yeah, sure. So the book is called The Official Depression Relief Playbook. And I call it a playbook because I'm very upfront about it. It takes work. This isn't the kind of thing that you're going to read and then just think about it. It's the kind of thing where you have to do actionable steps uh, because I believe that that's helpful in a, in a few different ways to get out of depression. Um, it's very short. Uh, and I did that on purpose because I remember at my deepest and darkest, the last thing I wanted to do was read 350 pages. So I kept it very short. And um, it's the kind of thing I feel that would make a good gift for somebody. Like I, my goal is for this to be the book that the depressed person has on their bedstand, right on their nightstand, right next to their head when they're asleep, because I wanted to provide that hope and to provide like actionable things that they can do. So when they read it, it's gonna get them moving and getting out of that, that stuck feeling. So that's my really my big picture goal on this. Cool. And what what are you teaching people? What are you telling oh, people? Yeah. So uh, with this so Yeah, so like we alluded to earlier, it's what what I believe is that there's just like there's not one single cause of depression, there's not one single treatment or cure, however you want to put it. Um that I come at it with with everything from a bunch of different angles. And it's that compound effect when you when you start combining the nutrition and the and the, uh, the fitness with the therapy and the, you know, what have you, whatever else I've written about, combining these eight or 10 things or however many it is, um, when you combine all of those, that's where I think the magic happens. So that's really, really what the book is really about is doing everything. Mm -hmm. In a yeah. holistic way. I love that. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. One of the nicest compliments I got was, um, that it's a really good book for anybody, even, not even just depressed people. It's a good book for anyone. And I was like, oh, that's really nice, guys. Thank you. <laughs> mm. I'm sure it is because um, if it's written from the perspective of um, remaining open, integrating different modalities, considering, as you mentioned, the conventional medicine, but also the Eastern traditions, where obviously there's so much knowledge and so much wisdom that we somehow lost through our civilization process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I would imagine that it gives everyone a much larger perspective on what they can do to improve their lives, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. And what are your goals for the future now, Zach, as a future therapist? So what do you envision yourself doing and how do you plan to change the world? Well, Nicoletta, you'll love this because the program I'm entering, it's to become a licensed professional counselor, which is a type of th- psychotherapist here for any le- anyone listening who doesn't under- doesn't know what that means. And, but the thing is, this particular program that I'm doing um, has this extra track. So combined with the therapist, it's called the dance slash movement therapy. So I won't be doing much dance because nobody wants to see that, but I can do the movement stuff. I know that stuff pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, my goal and what I will be doing in school is I'll be integrating not just talk therapy, but also some kind of movement therapy as well. So it's kind of cutting edge, but I feel like that would have really helped me, a guy like me who's pretty active, getting my body involved as well would have been a really nice thing. So yeah, so I'm excited to learn all about that, how we can use our bodies as well as our minds to, to get over difficult situations. Oh, it sounds amazing. I mean, I would go for something like this because <sighs> it's fantastic to go, just get, get out of that consulting room and just yeah. be like two human beings out in the nature. I, I've been doing ecotherapy for a number of years. And whenever we get a chance, we walk by the beach, we go in the nature, we sit outside, just being connected with the nature and talking like two human beings, one helping the other, everyone learning from the other. I mean, that's absolutely fantastic. And I think with dance, people need a little bit of uh, melody, a little bit of music in their lives. People need to move and at the same time feel that containment, feel that holding, feel that support that a therapist can bring or a counselor can bring to their lives. So I'm hoping that this is becoming a very, very successful um, niche for you. And I'm happy to hear that people are actually thinking outside of the box, outside of the mainstream of psychotherapy world. We need to be a little bit more progressive. We need to open up a little bit more towards attracting people that otherwise suffer because they imagine that, you know, that Freud's sort of sofa is still there and they will have to go and offload everything that they've experienced in life and someone else will have to evaluate and maybe diagnose and make them feel uncomfortable. So, yeah, I think it has a great, uh, great perspective and I'm hoping that we keep in touch and maybe you let me know how it's going. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear uh, from you that that worked out well for you and it's making you even happier in your life on all aspects of your life. Thank you so much, Nicoletta. I, I so appreciate it. Oh, great. So as a final message, Zach, now as we are approaching the end of our podcast, what would be your final message for the listeners? Sure. So I feel like for the depressed person, in case there are any depressed people out there, it's very important to practice forgiveness. And of course, we want to practice forgiveness with ourselves because we're in a dark place and and we all know that. Um, and that we're going to do some things that aren't great for ourselves. However, it's equally as important to practice forgiveness for other people because other people will say stupid things. 
that's just how it goes. Uh, they don't understand your depression because they can't understand. They're not in your shoes. Yeah. So when people say some things that, that don't sit well with you or, or may sound mean or whatever, um, practice that forgiveness. Um, it's not your weight to carry around. And if you let that go, it's going to make your journey a little bit easier. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. Actually, forgiveness is one of the steps in my seven steps of transformation process that I've learned and I developed over the years. I'm learning from my own experience as a human being and a client in therapy myself, but also from all the clinical work that I've done and the research, the practitioner research process. I find it absolutely essential. I don't think there can be any healing or transformation in our lives without forgiving without forgiveness because it's a blockage it stops everything there it's it's just holding us into a space where there's no way to open towards the joy beauty and all the happiness and everything that is wonderful in the world and everything that we could experience in this short journey on earth yeah, yeah I, I love it. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I would say the same. I would say that whether you are depressed or anxious or you suffer from different other reasons, maybe you feel unfulfilled or you don't have direction in life or maybe you feel a little bit lonely or you're just dissatisfied with your life from any reasons or you struggle in relation. I mean, there are so many reasons people really uh, struggle in life. So whatever your case it is important to start that process of real personal development. And by that, I mean, learn in life, not necessarily by following others, but by turning within yourself and maybe listening to your own intuition and wisdom. It is in my view after two decades in this world of helping others and growing myself and developing myself it's a matter of perspective and choice. It's a choice that we make every single second of our life. And I say, make that choice well. I'm thinking that Thich Nhat Hanh, you probably know him, he's a Zen sure. master. Uh, he said at some point in one of his books, uh, which is called How to Eat. And I quote this because I, obviously you come from that nutrition world and, and fitness world. <laughs> And I think it's appropriate. He said something like, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to reproduce, not sure if it's, if it's the exact quote. Uh, he said, in the garbage, I see a rose and in the rose, I see the garbage. Because sometimes you can't really differentiate one from the other. And his point was that everything is transforming and even what is permanent becomes impermanent at some point. So it's a beautiful teaching. Uh, if we can all take it and maybe reflect a little bit more of what is it about our lives that uh, is working well and not that well, what would we like maybe to change and get some good guidance. I think it's important to get some good guidance and seeing people like you, Zach, that are maybe training as a second or third profession to become a therapist that have already been through some life experience, through some hurdles and bring a lot of, of uh, wisdom with them. I think this is very reassuring because we will need that kind of guidance. We will need that kind of support. And it's beautiful to know that people are willing to share their own experience in life 
and they just um, dedicate a little bit of themselves to enhance other people's lives. Ah, thank you so much. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Thank you so much, Zach. It's been such a great conversation, but it is time to stop now. A big thanks to all of you listening and many, many thanks to you, Zach, for joining me here today. No, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Wonderful. That's it for now. Until next time, we are wishing you all good health and happiness.